0: Thanks, Randy. Great job. So just uh, an extra plug for the equip. If you, you, know, you go, well, what is it? I don't know what it's about, or I've never been to one. Most of the people haven't been to one. So come out one of the evenings to see. Come out one of the Saturday to see. Whichever one you're able to come out to, it would be the information is on our website. Is it on our website, Sunet? Or it's in the email, right? It's on our website and it's in the email, and so you know, in terms of where it is, the time, and just really encourage you. You will not regret making the. You will not regret making the trip. The. Um Lee and I were away last week. It is great to be back. It's kind of felt like I'm here a week, gone a week, here a week, gone a week. Next year, 2020, it will not be that busy. It's just been these couple of months that uh, have been really busy. But we had an incredible time in Ottawa. We had the privilege of ministering. Thank you for praying for us. And, you know, not only did we give out, but we felt like we received back on behalf of Lifehouse, you know, as much as we gave. And just an amazing church there, some people, and the wonderful thing of, of, of a church with a heart for partnership to see, you know, Canada reached for Jesus, a church that wants to work with us and partner with us and, and say, hey, whatever we can do to help you guys, however you can help us, let's just see this nation built. There's a wonderful, when this person, uh, Steve, that leads the church there, when I first met him, we were talking about a number of things. Well, in the the number of different times I got together with him, one of the times we were chatting just about the importance of people working together, you know, across lines, and not being about just this particular denomination, a particular network that you're about. And he was giving me a quote from a person named Bryn Jones, who was an apostolic leader in the United Kingdom. Uh, you know, he's passed away now, but the movement that uh, he was part of still exists. And he made this comment, and he said, the world has yet to see what God can do through a group of men and women who don't need to own it and don't care who gets the credit. You know, and that's the kingdom. The actually, there really is only one team there's only one king, and it's Jesus. There's only one team, it's his church, his, there's only one church, it's his body, all that put their faith in Jesus Christ and follow him. That is the truth, right? At the end of the day, and this is a great introduction to the series that we're doing, don't worry, Leah, I haven't forgotten the announcement, I'll get there in just a sec. But this is, it kind of sets it up. You know, there's another gentleman, I believe his name was Gerald Coates. I hope I'm hoping quoting, that it's the right person I'm quoting. But in a group, a meeting where a number of apostolic leaders were together. You know, they were talking about the work they were doing in the United Kingdom. These guys were doing work all around, but a lot of them were based in the United Kingdom at the time. And they, the one guy, Gerald Coates, got up in the meeting and said, you know, imagine what could have happened if we all laid down our agendas, if we all laid down... Our, you know, our preferences of the way of doing things, and we just had worked together to reach this nation. What God could have done would have been incredible. But because we remain divided, because we remain focused on our own little things, we've had little impact. And the reality is, when we read Scripture, and we're, we're on this incredibly important value for us that we're going to be talking about, and that is honor affirms value and the world in its thinking gets us to point out the differences in one another, it gets us to evaluate one another, to compare ourselves with one another, you know, meet, especially if you're guys, you like size each other up, "Mm, I'm bigger than him, you know, smarter than him or, you know, we have this competitive mindset, you know, I think it happens for everyone, I'm saying as a guy, for guys, I'm sure it happens for women too, it comes, you know, and it's not, about, it's not about who's biggest, who's best, who's more, who's, who's more spiritually mature. It's not about positions. It's not who's rich, who's poor. It's about the fact that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We are brothers and sisters in Jesus. And if we can get that right on a local church level, imagine what we can do if we can start getting that right with churches that want to work together. Not everyone's going to have the same attitude. Not everyone's going to want to work together. Not everyone's going to want to partner in the same way. But, you know, I'm privileged in that I get to meet with a bunch of guys every week that we're all, you know, connected together. We're not all linked in the same thing, but we get together with one sole purpose. How do we work together to, 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 you know, be united together and move the kingdom forward in this area? And now, you know, where it's been a bunch of us guys, we're now actually going to start a few of us getting together once a month you know, in the evenings so our wives can join us of of leading churches. I, I, I can't wait to see what God does. I can't wait to see what God does in how he is able to unite things. And we're already seeing it. You see it in our one worship nights where we work together with Red Hill. We work together with The Rise where, you know, Halton Hills Family House of Worship and others that join us. But it's this beautiful thing. It's this beautiful thing where we If if we'll, with one another, let's go, okay, it's not about my agenda. It's actually about Jesus' agenda. You know, it's about him. And let him unite us. And let him unite us. And so on this thing, before I'm talking about, you know, I get into the preach itself. For us as a body, we've got a few areas of urgent need in terms of volunteers. And so I'm going to ask people literally to respond today after the service. I'll remind you again at the end. Go to the info table. Sunette will be there with the list. But we need people in in two specific areas like right now. And the one is in the morning to come and help set up. Now, the more people that sign up to help set up in the morning, the less often you have to do it. So I'm hoping we'll get enough people uh, signing up that it's maybe once every two months that you need to come and help set up. But at least, you know, even if it's just if it's once a month, you could help us come and set up. For the last couple of months, it's been Joel and Gabriel, you know, and, and, and ho- usually like Priyank was there with them this morning. But it's really, it's like one person and a couple of our kids that are setting up all the chairs and tables and all this kind of stuff. They don't, it doesn't come pre-assembled. Assembly is required every Sunday morning. It's kind of like Ikea. You know, we have to pull the furniture out from under the thing and set it all up so that we have places to sit. It is. Get a little bit of exercise in, in doing it. But they're not heavy. If you're like, oh, I can't lift heavy things, they're not heavy. You know, <coughs> pardon me, I've still got a bit of my cough. So we really need you to help out. If, if we can get every Sunday... Two or, you know, a team of, you know, two to four people that would help with it, then we, we, we come at nine o'clock, it'll be set up, no problem at all. So if you have not been, we've got lots of people that have been part of this that have done it before, I'm not asking you to do it again. For those that have been, like, you know, that have done it faithfully, we really appreciate it. For those that are part of it, appreciate it. But for those of you maybe that are new or, you know, haven't been involved in that aspect of, of church life, your help would be greatly appreciated, you know. And it's just it's us honoring and serving one another in the body, you know. So, Sinette so will have us sign up for that. The other thing we need is our kids ministry just keeps growing, you know. People keep keep having babies. I don't know what's up with that, you know. <laughs> so, you know, and and people joining with children. So it's an amazing thing. But we literally have to keep splitting classes. I and mean, we've got we've split it now into what five. Yeah, so we split into five classes, but what age group is it that needs to split again? So, okay, so our, our younger group, our three to SK, has got to split immediately again. We've got literally too many kids in the class for the teachers to manage. You know? But if you're like, I can't do three to SK, but if you can do a different grade, we can move people around. So, yeah, we need, so what we need, not teachers, we need assistants. So if you're like, ah, I don't know about teaching, that's okay. You don't need to be a teacher. We just need you to come in as an assistant. You know, and you know the amazing thing is we've had so many people that have come in assistance scared of kids ministry that are now some of the awesome teachers in kids ministry. So you know, if you go, ah, I'm not I'm not you know good with kids or I don't think I can do this, you know, just step out in faith. You know, as long as you like children, if they if you don't like children, don't do it. Okay? You know, they're like, ah, they're so annoying. Yeah, that might not be the best fit. You know, but as long as you have some like for children. You know, if you have children of your own, then of course you like children, you know. So um, it really, as parents, it's a great way. A lot of the times, it's getting parents involved. Maybe your kids are benefiting from kids' ministry. If you're serving, what is it, once a month as assistants? So assistants serve once a month. So if you can sign up again with Sunet... Today, afterwards, because we just immediately need to do this, otherwise it's going to be chaos. Or we're, we literally will have to start shutting down classes, just going, you know, we've hit a max number, and now, those, now the kids can't be in here. And for those of you were, that were here before, when we used to have a pack of 40 kids running around the back of the church, you'll know that's not a good thing. You don't want us to have to start shutting down classes. It would not be good. You know? Pardon? Yeah. <laughs> There's 90 children in kids' ministry. 90 kids. 90. Isn't that incredible? So to give you an idea, there's 240 chairs set out here this morning. We actually, if we probably should have set, looking at the sheer, you know, few spare chairs. We'll have to set out more next week. And then there is 90 kids in kids' ministry. So God's definitely growing us as a, as a body, which is, which is amazing. And so we're, we're in the last two of our core values and this, you know, we'll be doing this one from November into December, and then the final one in January. It's been a, a 14-month journey through these, you know, and talking about our core values of the church. And this one is, is such a key one. It's that honor affirms value. And we're going to explain what that means. You know, and we're starting off and explaining it, that honor recognizes and affirms that every person is valuable and powerful. We are made in God's image. He died to restore us to relationship with Him. Therefore, we are significant. Every person, every person is valuable. Every person deserves honor, even when they're acting in unhonorable ways. You're going to look at scripture on this, so you're not just, you know, James's opinion. You know, we start in, in, in the fact that we are created in the image of God, right? It says it in Genesis, Genesis 1, to 28. It says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We're made in the image of God. We've been made to steward this earth. It's interesting that he doesn't say rule over one another. You notice that? You ever think, you know, in the Old Testament, you know... Why did God give them a king? Because they wanted it. For the longest time, God didn't have man ruling over man. Man decided, God's people decided they wanted to be like the other nations, and they wanted a king over them to rule them. But God was quite content for him to be their king. Why? Because we're all made in the image of God. We are all made in the image of God, each and every one of us. Every person of all these 7 billion people that are on our planet right now have all been made in the image of God. It's not just the fact that you're a Christian that you're made in the image of God. When you're not a Christian, you've been made in the image of God, you just don't know it and don't act like it. Right? But everyone, every one of us, We're made in God's image. It means every one of us has value. Every one of us is important. Every one of us is an essential part of this amazing body of Christ when we've given our life to Jesus. You know, where in the the commandments that Jesus affirmed where the Pharisees and Sadducees would challenge him and go, well, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love your God with all your heart, mind, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if we don't love ourselves, it's really hard to love our neighbor. But you know, in in Luke, when this this exchange is happening in the book of Luke, the person challenging Jesus then goes, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells the parable of the good Samaritan. The important thing in this is that Jews hated Samaritans. And if you don't know the parable, I will we'll digress on it uh, in, a, in a paraphrase. It's where this person is injured. You know, a, a, a Jewish man is injured. And, you know, a rabbi, a, a priest, someone else, they, they pass by him and they won't help him. And a Samaritan, the person who's supposed to hate the Jew and the Jews are supposed to hate, is the one that stops and helps him. And Jesus uses this parable and says... You know, that's your neighbor. So he uses an example of someone going, hey, that person you don't like, that person you've judged, the person that you are against, they're your neighbor. So this command of love God with all your heart, mind, and spirit and love your neighbor as yourself isn't love your fellow Christian as yourself. It's love your neighbor. Especially, though the body of Christ. And so if we don't do the honoring thing well amongst each other, we're not going to do the honoring thing well out there in the world. And guess what? Look at the state of the church. Look at how the world generally looks at us. You know, why? why, we, we don't honor each other well. We don't honor the world well. And thus, you know, we're irrelevant. You know, I was saying last weekend when we were speaking in Ottawa, you do not find a how-to manual in the Bible of how to prophesy, of how to heal the sick, of how to cast out demons. Very little is written about that, actually. They, they talk about it happening. And they talk about the church is supposed to operate in power, and we are supposed to operate in power. But we can get caught up in the things that we look at as the good, the oil, these are the powerful things, and spend a lot of money pursuing gifts. But the Bible pursues relationship. It pursues relationship with God, relationship with one another, and out of that, all these things flow. So it's not that we're not supposed to have power. It's just our lack of power is probably a real indicator of our actual lack of relationship with God first and with one another second. And so, in us, us talking about honoring one another, in us understanding this value, understanding, you know, the values of grace, understanding these different things, understanding that we're all made in the image of God, it makes a huge difference. If you want to operate in, in power, operate in honor. Operate in honor. We need to stop comparing each other, and start seeing each other through the eyes of Jesus. Psalm 139, 13 to 16, it says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I... I And that's the truth for all of us. God knew us before we were born. He formed us in our mother's womb. You know? He created us in his image. Every single person on this earth. Other things where it says, he knows the hairs on our head. And you know my joke, it's corny. He knows all the hairs that have fallen out of my head. You know? And, and none of it's a surprise to him. He knows it all. And he's formed all of us. And and in his love, he desires that each one of us would know his love. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's love. The currency of the kingdom is love. Our obedience to God is because we love him. We obey out of love we, because we recognize that He knows what's best, that He has the best for us. We can't follow Him and obey Him if we don't trust Him. And we can't trust Him if we don't love Him. And we can't trust and love one another if we don't truly believe that He's the one in control. You know, God is building His church, God is building your life. You know, we desperately want to be in control so did satan we want to be in control just like satan wanted to be in control it's pride we want to be the ones that determine our steps we are the ones that want to determine things if we feel safer when we're in control and we feel safer when we're in control because we don't actually trust God to be in control. Satan didn't either. He thought his plans were better than God's plans. He went around rallying, it says, you know, the, some of the angels to, to like, hey, you know, it would be a whole lot better to follow me. I've got my plans I know God's got a good plan, but, you know, mine are even better. So follow me. And his pride got him cast out of heaven. That pride is still the root of the most things that go on. It's the thing that gets us to compare ourselves with one another. To go, you know, make us, it's with a root of insecurity. You know, we, like, oh, man, i gotta, I got to somehow prove that I am live up to the standard that I think I should be living up to because I'm looking at this person and I think they're better than me. You know, maybe this person looks better or this person's got more muscles or this person's got more, I don't know, this person's smarter, they've got a different degree. Whatever, whatever these things are that we use to compare. You know, you know it. <laughs> they're laughing at something. <laughs> but we'll, oh, yeah, here we go. Adam apparently thinks he has more muscles than Mohit. We'll let them wrestle it out, you know. <laughs> you guys want to come up and see? No? No? You sure? We can pause. I'm good with it. it would, I think it would be fun. No? Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Depends whether we consider, you know, ab. How, how do we do the keg? Is that a muscle? You know. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, sorry, we digress. But isn't it ridiculous? And we all fall into it, especially in this crazy world of social media, right? There is more anxiety and depression and, like, people are freaked out. I'm amazed at the conversations I have with people where they're like, I'm 20 years old, I'm not a millionaire, I'm a failure. And, and it's because of these ideas that are put forth in our society, but you name it, we've got something to compare and to compete. And that's what the world does, right? It's, uh, the world, they lord stuff over one another. I'm better than you in this. I'm better than you in that. I'm going to compete with you in this. I'm going to compete with you in that. We're in the kingdom. Like, man, we're all made in the image of God. We're all okay. We're all okay. And it doesn't mean that we're not always, you know, improving. But our improving is, is becoming more and more like the image of Jesus. Our, our, our only comparison that we should be making is us and Jesus. Not, oh, you know, oh, my wife is doing a little better than that. Oh, my husband's doing a little bit better. My neighbor's doing a little bit better. No, how am I, how am I reflecting Jesus in the world? That's the only comparison that any one of us should have. And because of that, it becomes, when we can actually believe that, it becomes really easy to honor one another. Because we start being able to see each other through the eyes of Jesus. And it's like, I'm not competing with them. I'm not trying to, if they do well, doesn't mean that I'm going to lose out. There's more than enough to go around. This gets into the thing we're talking in terms of generosity in abundance thinking versus poverty thinking. If I have poverty thinking, if you get something, it means I don't get it. In, In abundance thinking, if you get it, I can have it too. So I can celebrate you, and I might even be able to follow a bit of your example, if your example is that of Jesus... But the only thing we should follow in each other is how well are we following Christ? That's what Paul says, right? Follow me as I follow Jesus. And we can not be freaked out by each other's imperfections and our failures. We don't have to be afraid of failure when we're honoring one another. Because our failures don't define us Jesus defines us. The fact that the truth of Scripture, that we are all holy, we are all righteous, we are all sanctified, we are all justified, that's the truth. We just don't all live up to it all the time, but we don't have to criticize and compare if we're not living up to We just speak truth and love and remind each other how awesome we are, and that maybe the way we're acting right now may not quite line up with who we actually are in Christ. Completely different. You are, you know, the one is, you're no good. You're a failure. And the other is, man, I see you've tripped up in that area. Can I help you get up so you can keep running to to the goal? So different. I'm going to go to Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 32. This is scripture that we've been founded on as a church. This is from the beginning, a scripture for us. It's a key scripture for us with, with New Covenant Ministries that we were part of. Because it starts off and it says that, So Christ himself gave apostles and prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of of the fullness of Christ. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers are pretty awesome. You should honor them. You should hold them up in high esteem and and they are the, the best and you're the second best. When we see people with these giftings, we should honor them the same way we honor our neighbor. Right? The same way we honor everybody else in the church. I'm not saying they're not worthy of honor, they are, but but Paul himself writes and says, Hey guys, you know, as an apostle, we're actually the scum of the earth. Well, he says it kind of in your eyes. You know, but he doesn't say that, he's not meaning that they're the scum, but he's like, hey, look, we take a lowly position. We take a lowly position in order that you will be built up. You know, we're willing to suffer to see you come to a fullness of Christ. And people that truly operate in these gifts apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers that have been given by Christ, they're there to build the church. They're there to build, and the church is not the organization, the church is the people. The church is you. My job up here this morning is to build you up to help you, you know, see yourselves from a place of honor, to help you see each other in a place of honor, that you would honor one another. If I do that well, then I'm doing the job that Christ has given me to do today. The role of ministry is to build you up. It's why I have, so that you will become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It then says that then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blow here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, When these gifts operate properly in the church, the church gets built up. The church gets built up. We're not blown all over the place. We live in an age where you have access to more knowledge and information than ever in the history of the world. At your fingertips. I mean, for me, I can't imagine what it was like 20 years ago, just 20 years ago, preparing sermons. I go to Google and I've got all kinds of information right at my fingertips. I've got 400 books on a Kindle that I can go to. I've got all this stuff that literally it takes me minutes. Whereas someone before, 20 years ago, you'd have to go to the library. You'd have to, you didn't have access to all that material. You didn't have access to all that information. For yourselves, you can go on the internet and you can get everyone's opinion about everything. It's confusing, isn't it? because in my 400 books I'll tell you that one will say this one will say that one will say the other and I'll give you all these different opinions and it's not to say that we shouldn't have different opinions but we more than ever need our minds transformed we need to be built up so we are not tossed here and there by every wind of teaching we're not blown all over the place you know there's lots of people that are like follow me send me money You know, we we live in a celebrity-driven culture and that celebrity-driven culture can come into the church. And it's not to say that someone that's well-known or has a high profile is bad. It's not about judging people. But it's not going, wow, that person's awesome because they've got a TV show and a radio program. They're a super Christian. They may not be. Or they may be. But they're actually no better than you. They're actually no better than you in God's eyes. It's so important because the same Jesus available to them, the same Holy Spirit available to them, is equally available to you. The same Bible that's available to them is available to you. And when we start seeing each other that way, we don't aspire with worldly standards. We're not all trying to become the next, you know, big name or whatever. We're not seeing that as success. We're seeing a life laid down to Jesus, surrendered to Jesus, a life of true worship, a life reflecting Jesus as success. It says in verse 16, from him, as in from Jesus, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Church, we can't live as the Gentiles do. Our standards can't reflect the world's standards. We don't look to celebrity culture to determine what's good in the church. We don't look to, you know, business culture to determine what's good in the church. We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. We look to his word. We look through the power of the spirit. And we build one another up in love. We build one another up in love. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. Talking about the Gentiles that Paul was referring to there. That, however, he says, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught... With regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. So we're to put off that old way and to be made new in the attitude of our minds. And we're to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others and according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. That's honor. That's honor. You're the opposite of honor. You know, so much of life we spend behind a mask, or we can. If we don't, we're not living with Jesus fully shining from us. And it happens so often in the church. and I, you know, and I, I think we do a pretty good job here at LifeHouse of not doing that. But I want to encourage us that any masks that we have, we take them off. We don't have to prove anything to one another. We actually need to be real with one another. We need to carry each other's burdens. We need to honor one another. We need to not be afraid of the messes that, we, that might be in our life or in other people's lives. Because those messes do not define them. Those things actually are just an opportunity for God to come and let his light shine and bring healing and bring wholeness to any one of our lives, right? They're so important. It's so important that we're not afraid of our failures. It's not that we then live in them. Okay, the wrong understanding of this, if I say that, take off your mask, okay, that's great. I'm just gonna be a mess and everyone needs to accept me that way. No, that wouldn't be truthful or loving either. But the thing is, we've gotta be able to show who we truly are. It's like it says in, it says in um, uh, John, Right? We're talking about Jesus. That he came into the world and it says that you know he came to bring light, that everything we'd see that was, was made from God. I'm paraphrasing again. But it says that people are afraid to bring things into their light because they know their deeds are evil. But the thing is, when we're afraid to bring things into the light, then they can't get healed. They can't get dealt with. They can't, we can't become whole. And so we hide. But we have to first create a safe, Jesus created a safe environment around him, right? An environment that was safe for people to go, okay, this is, you know, I need you. I need your help. You know, prost- you know prostitutes would have gotten, not gone near the Pharisees or the Sadducees, the tax collectors, the sinners. The Pharisees and Sadducees are like, oh my goodness, what's wrong with Jesus? He's hanging around with these sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the, you know, you, you name it. He's hanging around with these people that are a mess, and and they're like you know, and those people would not go near the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they judge them. Jesus didn't tell them, "Hey, keep living the way you are." Nowhere does Jesus say their behavior is good and acceptable and right, but he'd heal them. He'd bring them into wholeness. He'd bring them into truth. He'd help them from the place they were. I mean, some of the people that supported Jesus are the people that he cast demons out of, that, that he had, he'd brought wholeness to, Mary Magdalene being one of them. Our role as Christians in this world, into this broken and dying world, is to bring healing and wholeness and truth. We're not there to condemn the world, but to save the world. We've got to be safe like that with one another, and we've got to be safe like that with the world. Not saying that they should keep going in the way that they are, not approving of the life that they're leading, and not going and not going, "Yes, that's who you are," but helping them understand who they are in Jesus. Helping them to a place of wholeness, honoring one another, honoring them, speaking truth and love. We practice that with one another because the place we should have the most grace is here. But we do it with one another so we can do it with people out there. So, Because this world will not know the value that they have if we cannot treat them with honor and love. The wrong way to take this teaching is to now go, oh, these people don't treat me well. They need to treat me with more honor. I don't get enough of that. You know, do not allow that thinking to come into your mind. If it does, rebuke it and tell it to go away. The way we think is how am I honoring others? How am I treating others? You know? Because the truth is, if you're not getting a lot of honor back, you may not be treating them with honor. But the, the, the op- side of that as well is, if you're secure in God, it really doesn't matter whether you're honored or not. All you've got to do is look at Paul's writings. He, he loved regardless of how people, you know, treated him. It's not about that. Our love comes from God. Our love comes from him. And it's that that we give to the world. It's that that we give. And it's from that place that we honor. So uh, let's love one another. I just realized that Lee gave me a note saying, we need to know how many people are coming to the welcome lunch, and we don't know. So um, if you're coming to the welcome lunch, it's a little too late for that, isn't it? For to get you to put up your hand. I think they've already ordered pizza. I hope it's all taken care of. Yeah, if you're coming, don't worry. I'm sure they've ordered enough pizza for you. So if you're here for your first time, please feel free to join us for the welcome lunch. A little bit of an administrative glitch there. So uh, do please join us. It would be great to have you. And uh, it'll take place at 1230 you see some people coming over here on the side, that's our ministry team, and they would love to pray for you. If you need a word, if you need prayer, if you need prophecy, anything, they are there, they are hungry, and to pray for you, if you don't go up to pray for them, they're going to start roving the room and grabbing people going, I'm so desperate to pray for someone, I want to pray for you, okay? So uh, avail yourself of their services, <laughs> and uh, guys, have an amazing and wonderful week. Ashish, oh, sorry, I'll let you close. <laughs> yeah, no, just, uh, it's a great reminder that uh, we are made in God's image, and, uh, you know, um, we need to live like that. And so let's, let's make a commitment that we will honor people